0: Welcome to episode 220 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So I think yesterday, uh, thanks to uh, Peter, we discovered we had a bit of a challenge with our last episode.
1: Yeah, episode 218. um, (laughs) Like I I posted the episode, uh, so I think it appeared in most like podcasting you know, apps, but the actual MP3 file was not there. So uh, that was a problem. <laughs> and I think what it was last week, I, I don't know where the issue was, but when I was uploading the files, uh, normally it takes like seconds, you know, to upload one one of the audio files, but last week was taking a long, long time. Mm. Um, so I kind of babysat it for the first episode that we released on Monday uh, the one that I posted or thought I posted for Thursday, I, I didn't pay enough attention to, and I must've closed my browser or something before the, uh, the audio file actually uploaded. So, you know, my apologies, I'll pay more attention here, uh, going forward to make sure that, uh, everything uploads properly and it's available.
0: I told Shane, we were going to dock his pay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Cut it in half.
0: <laughs> half of nothing. Still nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I was surprised cause, cause I'd gone in and I saw the title and so it was like, yeah, all looks good. And then Peter had written a couple of days after I, I saw it had gone up and, and, uh, and no, the audio file just was, uh, was not around, but yeah. So thanks for Peter for reaching out and, uh, and letting us know, I, yeah. you know, if anybody else notices that please, please let us know uh, so that
1: we can, we can get things rolling. Yeah, exactly. If there's ever an issue, we will fix it.
0: Yeah, yeah, happy to. Yeah, because I think once, once you knew, once you knew about it, I think you had it fixed pretty quick. So thanks, thanks for doing that, Shane. Yeah, you bet. Did you get any observing in this week?
1: A little bit. um, Trying to think here. So Friday night, uh, I think we were both out and uh, did not know it until now, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was in my backyard. I have uh, received the adapters for the visual back for my TSA one Oh two. So mm. I think last week when we talked, I mentioned that I could not get the vinyl viewer to focus natively. I needed just a few more millimeters of inward focus.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't have the space. So the, the Takahashi visual back that comes with the TSA is, um, about one, one inch and, or one and one eighth of an inch long.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, <clears throat> the uh the visual back adapters that i bought they're both Bader so one is a uh, it attaches to the takahashi focuser tube uh, which is an m72 thread this adapter steps it down to an m68 thread and then Bader sells an ultra low profile two inch eyepiece holder basically or, or you know visual back that screws into that so those two things are about a third of the length of the takahashi visual back so uh, I saved a substantial amount of space and uh, no issues achieving focus with anything. So oh, wow. I was super happy. Um, so that was a big reason for getting out Friday night. And what made me even more happy was I, I knew for f- like, for sure that like my patent optics and the 13 millimeter Naglers would reach focus. Yeah. I wasn't sure about my point nine six five Pentax orthos because
0: Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Those Yeah, those old 0965 eyepieces typically require a lot more in focus than modern inch and a quarters. So yeah. I was a little concerned about those. And, uh, you know, I have, I was able to get focus with them with about a half a millimeter <laughs> to spare. Oh, wow. So- so it worked out really good. I'm I'm quite pleased with it. So that night, I I really just spent my time on the moon. Uh, we had about a I don't know what it would have been a fifteen to twenty percent moon. I think like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh you know seeing wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I would put it kind of in the middle of the gauge. Um, and yeah, I just panned up and down and around the moon and and you know different powers. Um, as you mentioned, well, you'll probably get to it. it. The moon was really like right beside, uh, Castor and Pollux, which is kind of yeah. cool. So I went over to Castor, split that pretty easily with the 25, 24 millimeter pan optics. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of my session. It, it was, uh, it was maybe night. I, I, no, it wouldn't have been 90 minutes. Um, maybe, maybe probably about an hour. And I spent some time messing around with my, uh, uh I have a, a Bader sky surfer finder on there. Oh yeah. And uh I was messing around aligning that. And it's a great red dot finder, except to align it, you need to use a screwdriver. So it's a real pain to get it aligned. But well, you know, huh. once it's there, you don't really have to worry about it again. So yeah. Oh, so anyway, cool. yeah, that was my uh short observing session. Um, I'm just loving that TSA. And now with that Bino viewer, it was just sublime. The experience was so <laughs> relaxing so comfortable. Um, Yeah, I just can't say enough about it. I'm so excited to get back out and do some more observing. But, you know, the the week prior to Friday wasn't the best. Uh, You know, we had some wind, we had a little bit of cloud. And uh, I didn't have any, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to get out prior to that. So how about you?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like you were kind of getting to is we've had a dramatic shift in weather. I mean, very, very dramatic. So um, we've gone from having you know, nighttime lows, sometimes as low as minus seven, minus eight degrees Celsius to, uh, to you know, and, and only daytime highs in the single digits, um, positive single digits to uh, now having nighttime lows in the, just the uh, positive single digits. And it was 27 degrees Celsius here on, on Thursday anyway. And uh, wow, like uh, just a huge, huge turnaround. The leaves are all coming out now. It's It's nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of think we might end up skipping spring, although it seems like we're a little more seasonable now with about, uh, you know, 15 to 20 degree highs, I think projected for the next seven days.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're, out, uh, at our, at our place outside the city today. And, uh, yeah, it's quite nice. Like it's finally cleared off. We had a bit of rain, um, yesterday, uh, mostly in the afternoon and a little bit overnight and a little bit this morning. And now Skies are skies are clearing out. Of course, I have gotta come back into the city, but it had taken uh, Thursday and Friday off, so we were actually out here, and uh, yeah, it was just amazing. Like it was so warm, but you know there was so much snow here that I think there's still gonna be snow um, because the leaves are coming out here, and the leaves are covering uh, the the still massive snowdrift. Uh, that blew off the farmer's field and behind us here like there's still probably three or four feet of snow up there
1: oh wow yeah that's quite a bit
0: yeah like you can't really get to it but i can still see it between the trees when i when i get up this morning but uh yeah pretty happy because we were here last last week or a week ago today and and, uh i think the ground was still frozen under our place because it was like 17 or 18 that day you've been and, uh, but inside this place, like you couldn't even be in here. It was so cold. But uh, yeah, I got out here Thursday, opened everything up. And then Friday, um, and it was really warm even overnight on Thursday. And then Friday was beautiful. Like it was supposed to be a terrible, terrible day, like rain and bad mm-hmm. weather, but it, it was windy, but it was 23 above. And uh, yeah, I opened everything up and just let the wind go through. And I think that warmed the place up uh, and got the rest of that frost out of the ground. So yeah, it's super, super nice super nice out here now. And, uh, and yeah, I actually wasn't even going to bring any optics at all because the weather forecast was so terrible. Um, but then, like you said, Friday ended up being okay. Like there was some cloud around and a little bit of haze, but I uh, had brought a pair of binoculars out and, uh, yeah, just took a cruise around was looking at the moon and, uh, Castro and Pollux just, they were in like this beautiful line, like mm-hmm. really kind of magical line.
1: Eh? Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. Um, and there was a little bit of earth shine on the moon as well. I, I, It was more apparent through the telescope than to my naked eye, but it mm. was definitely there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, that was neat to see and could see some of the just using my seven by fifties. And then uh, let's see, uh, watch the summer triangle rising and, uh, you know, took a look at uh, Vega and Deneb and Altair. And then as well, um, my first view of M thirteen this year. Like not amazing conditions, but you know had a pretty fun thirty minutes considering it wasn't supposed like was supposed to be raining, like pretty much a rainstorm. But it was calm and you know a few clouds poking around. And uh, yeah, I kind of had wish I I brought a telescope out at that point, but I don't think it lasted long because I kind of came in and went to bed. And when I got up, it was uh, you know really really cloudy. Um, by you know just after midnight I think so I, I think it was a pretty big sucker hole like I said uh probably not too too bad that I didn't bring a telescope out anyway so yeah are you going to go look for the lunar goldfish Chris Chris sent us this lunar goldfish <laughs>
1: um I don't know I I've I've I'll be real honest I have a hard time seeing the goldfish <laughs> so
0: it's like eyes. It's like the
1: two bulging
0: eyes looking yeah. up over the creek or something, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I can kind of get it, but um, I don't know. <laughs>
0: that one did not jump out at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take it, take a, take a look for it next time. The lunar goldfish. Yeah. So anything else in the, in the mail coming to you?
1: Uh, yeah, actually there is. Um, I've, I kind of had a, I don't know, I have to stay off the internet. I think I'm just too weak to, uh, avoid buying more stuff. It seems, but, um, I've always been intrigued by some of the, um, some of the microscope eyepieces that people adapt and use for astronomical purposes, Mm -hmm. um, like a Nikon Zeiss. There's a number of them out there that if you do a little bit of research, you'll find, you know, people make them work and, um, in some cases, like them far more than any astronom- astronomical eyepiece that they've used, yeah. and um, I'm trying to think here if it's the Zeiss SPLs or it's one of the uh, one of the Zeiss PLs. Um, uh, there's a there's a binocular viewing. I can't, you know, guru, I guess his name's Dennis. Uh, he's in Croatia. He makes vinyl viewers. That's who I bought my, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I've heard of this guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he, he also, uh, has done extensive observing with all different brands and kinds of these, uh, microscope eyepieces. And, um, the, uh, the, like I said, I think it's the SPLs. He, he tested them against a. so it's a, they they make a number of different ones but I think the 10 times one is equivalent to a 25 millimeter eyepiece so he was comparing that to the 25 millimeter Zeiss Abbey ortho which is you know renowned as one of the best 25 millimeter eyepieces ever made uh, for like clarity contrast that that sort of stuff mm-hmm. the the Zeiss microscope eyepiece um, in, in his review, quite handily beat the old Zeiss Abbey Ortho, which is mm. quite interesting. So, anyway, there's a number of these eyepieces that are really good. Another one that gets really, really uh, strong reviews is the uh, Zeiss 10x22. Uh, uh, I think it's op, Opmi, or OpMe, O P M mm. I. Um, so, 10x, it's a 25 millimeter eyepiece. Uh, 22 represents the field stop. So it's a 22 millimeter field stop, which, uh, puts it at about like a 50 degree field of view, but you can unscrew that field stop and it becomes 28 millimeters or about 65 degrees.
0: And, um,
1: again, like the reviews on this eyepiece, uh, you know, are phenomenal. And like people say there's, they've never seen anything as transparent and the clarity and, the you know, on and on and on. So they're quite hard to come by like they're rare. And, um, when they do pop up, they tend to disappear. And, uh, so I came across a pair and, uh, purchased them. So they're coming from overseas. I want to say Romania, maybe, uh, somewhere over in uh, Europe and, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll report more when I receive them and, and start to use them, but um, they're also made with uh, long eye relief, so the, you oh, wow. know, they should be ideal for my purposes. I'm hoping, and um, yeah, I really can't wait to try them. You know, if if everything I read um, is the same, you know, if I have the same experience as what I've read about them, these will easily replace my 24 millimeter pan optics. Um, probably replace my 25 millimeter uh, uh Takahashi 0.965 inch orthos. I got a pair of those. So I think these may there's there's an opportunity, anyways, that I'll be able to get rid of a number of eyepieces if these perform as well as I'm hoping.
0: Mm. Well, I I'd love to look through this stuff. Hopefully we can uh get together soon and uh take a look. That'd be awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah for sure. Um yeah. we
0: got the rain coming now, I hear. So <laughs> we'll
1: see. Yeah. Be a little bit more rain off and on, but, um, yeah, we need to get out and do some observing together for sure.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. That would be, uh, that would be great. Yeah. Good, Good stuff. Yeah. Anything else, uh, on your observing agenda schedule purchase list?
1: No. Well, I, I really want to be done purchasing for a while. I do need to sell some stuff. So I've got a few things posted. Uh, probably we'll post a few more things once I, um, you know, get a better feel again for these new eyepieces. And I'm still debating which telescope uh, or telescopes I'm going to sell as a result of the TSA coming in. But so, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably sell, but not buy. And then the other thing I want to do is just plan out my summer observing a little bit more. Mm. Um, it's not, you know, it's not super well detailed. Like I'm, I've mentioned before, I'm chasing down some of Mira's, uh, hidden treasures, uh, <laughs> you know, his objects. So i probably will continue with that, but, um, uh, I just want to review, you know, to see if, you know, when I'm looking for some of these objects, are there some other nearby objects that I should add to the list? Um, just, you know, sometimes when you're in that part of the, you know, a certain part of the sky, just nice to be efficient and observe as much as you can without having to swing the telescope all over the place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it sounds good. Have you tried the TSA on the Sky T mount yet?
1: Um, ye- Ooh, did I? I can't remember now. I don't think I have. I think I've just, or maybe the first time I used it was on the Sky T. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think it was on the Sky T.
0: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I imagine it looked pretty good if you did. No, I'm curious. So you're using it mostly on the Stellar B1s or on the caster?
1: Uh, Oh no, the caster would be way too light for this one. Uh, so I'm using the stellar view M2C, um, the stellar view M2C, I think is about half the weight of the, uh, sky T. So it's a, it's a nicer mount for just kind of hauling it in and out for more of a grab and go setup. Mm -hmm. Um, the sky T would certainly be a lot nicer. Um, if I was doing like high magnification stuff because of the slow motion controls, right um and maybe even under a dark sky because then i could dual mount um you know like a wide field smaller refractor on the other side of it
0: right right yeah no cool cool very cool
1: but yeah you know next time we get together to observe i can bring the sky tee out and uh, yeah uh, if you've got a tripod we can you could even just use it for the whole night you know throw it on there and away you go
0: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. And uh, just to give it a try anyway, whether, you know, it has uh, your scope or one of mine on it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like the hundred millimeter attack, I think it's, you know, that that's just such a, such a beautiful instrument. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to taking a peek through, through yours. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Good stuff.
1: Got some uh, emails. Yeah. Yeah. we got quite a few again, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. Really nice to, uh, uh, Ozzy aunt or Ozzy aunt was, uh, was writing us. He he actually wrote, uh, that he's, uh, going, going to go pick up an ED 80 skywatcher, ED 80 that I forget what color he said it was, but I, I feel like that color, I call it champagne or champagne. I
1: don't know one the other. and <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of a weird, uh, or I shouldn't say weird, but it's like an off gold or I don't know. It's a different color. It's kind of neat.
0: Yeah. That's the same color. Yours is that color, isn't it? Or am I wrong?
1: Mine's the uh, the black with the, oh, yours like the black. speckled black or whatever with the sparkles yours is- in it.
0: Oh, right. Yours is the next one. Yeah. So they, they originally released them as a gray mm-hmm. and then they released them in this champagne color, sort of like a silvery gray, gold maybe. And then, uh, then they released the black speckled one. I think they're still using a black speckle to this day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the only difference between mine and the more modern ones are they're using um, a green dovetail now instead of a black one. <laughs> mm. So yeah, the focuser might be different too. I can't remember, but, but yeah. there's not a lot of difference.
0: And uh, and an Aussie ant wrote and he he wrote about some Pentax XWs down there, and they were four hundred and fifty Australian dollars each used. Wow, that was because the Canadian and Australian dollar aren't too far off. They're they're only nine percent off. So uh, let's see. So you know about forty bucks. So pretty much four hundred, like four hundred Canadian dollars. Seems like a lot because I think they're I think not on sale. They're about three forty nine Canadian dollars.
1: Uh, I'm looking right now, actually. Uh, the sale. The, so some are on sale right now for fifty dollars off, and they're three forty nine. So, um, okay, you know, I guess the new price would be $3.99. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's about, they're about the same cost used in Australia as new here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like Aussie Ant has been saying, um, you know, the, the astronomical gear in Australia is, uh, astronomically priced compared to North America. It seems.
0: Yeah. So I'll just read his email and one of his, he, we've kind of been going back and forth on a few different things. Um, Aussie Ant writes, uh, shortly after my attempt with the Magras didn't work out. Uh, I found this, it is a FBL 53, 80 millimeter doublet. And from what I configure it, see the photo. And this is the, uh, ED 80, in the champagne color. Uh, I just made an offer good price for the Aussie market, um, with a replacement two speed GSO, uh, focuser, diagonal carrying case, 50 millimeter extension tube and camera adapter, just in case I'm, uh going to try astrophotography at any point um the little guide scope in the photo is not part of the deal i'm going to try to put this on my az gti for visual i'm hoping this will be a good wide field companion to the eight inch dub he, he asked me uh he said chris you've spoken a bit about your az gti on the podcast do you reckon that mount will handle this little refractor um i think so Uh, Shane, because I'm using, so that's an 80 millimeter F 7.5, right? That's what it is.
1: Sounds right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's what they are. And I looked it up and I think that scope is about a pound lighter or half a pound lighter than the way I have mine set up. And it's shorter. So it's shorter, slightly lighter. So I feel like it should work because mine is, um, at least half a pound heavier and probably five or six inches longer. And so uh, mine definitely wouldn't be as as stable as a smaller, slightly lighter scope. So hard hard to guarantee, hard to know exactly what everybody's setup is like. And I've done a lot of work on mine, but I feel like I feel like that should work. Your thoughts? Because you you see my AZ-GTI in action, and I, I
1: yeah, yeah. St- the one the one thing we don't maybe spend enough time highlighting um, there, there's two parts to this and, and the mount certainly is a big part of how stable things will be. But the other part is what's underneath the mount. So you do need uh, like the appropriate tripod or pier or, or something underneath that mount to make sure it, or to add stability. So, you know, if you put the 80 mil on the AZ uh, GTI and it's uh, more vibraty than what you would like it, it just might be that you need a, a stronger tripod underneath it.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm using it on a what is it like a one and a half inch steel tripod like when i have it out here properly set up and that's totally fine um so yeah every everybody's miles will vary and i know that the easy gti comes with that really lightweight tripod and a lot of people use that um i gave mine to my nephew in a slightly different setup that i thought was a little bit better but I really couldn't imagine using that little tripod that comes with the easy TTI, um, for much more than the the very lightest a telescope. So Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. yeah, Yeah, and that can make a big difference. Um, I, you know, I remember, um, a long time ago, I had the William optic, uh, easy touch, uh, mount, and I was surprised, um, like it, it came with a wooden surveyor's tripod, which was pretty good. Uh, And I put it on a lighter weight tripod uh, just for a little more portability. And I couldn't believe how much the performance suffered. So um, it really does make a big difference.
0: Yeah. And then he also asked if we had any eyepiece recommendations. He was looking at the uh, batter zoom. And uh, is that like the eight to 24 zoom?
1: Is that what that one is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Mark four or whatever they're at now.
0: Um, I hear that's the, uh, they may have a couple different zooms. I know one of them is like pretty much one of the most highly regarded zooms and one of the most decent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've never used any of their zooms. Um, I'm not sure what the eye relief is. And uh, the other thing, you know, you zoom at the uh, longest focal length. So with the Bader, I guess it would be about 24 millimeters. Um, that'll be your narrowest field of view. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you'll, typically have a much larger field of view. So I'm not sure what the range of field of view is either with those. Um, I know some people use them for bino viewing and, and uh, you know, some people use them just for mono viewing too. And I, I think the reviews are, you know, good to great is, is what I remember.
0: Yeah. I only have the one zoom that you recently fixed. I haven't uh, given a run, um, but yeah, I, I, I find with zooms, I always do the same thing with them. I always like start at the lowest power and then zoom to the highest power. And I'm like, well, that just proves that I only need two eyepieces.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that is true. Um, uh, I have a couple zooms. I have a Nikon MC2 and then that Leica Ashpheric zoom. Yeah. And, um, in theory it's awesome, right? Because you, you know, you have like an almost an infinite number of eyepieces in that, uh, in the range of the zoom, but, Most of the time I'm at the minimum or the maximum. I'm pretty rarely incrementing in between. I think where a zoom really shines though, let's say you take that Leica. So it's uh, it's 8.9 to like 17.8 millimeter zoom range. So if you put a two times Barlow on that, you're now like four and a half, uh, millimeter to, you know, about eight or nine millimeter. And yeah. I think where the zooms really shine is at high power because yeah. you can then dial it into what the seeing will allow and get it just on that edge. And, yeah. you know, that's ideal. So the, uh, the teleview three by or three to six millimeter, uh, Nagler zoom, um, you know, is, uh, is always intrigued me for that reason, because it is such high power. And then yeah. like I say, you can get it exactly where you want it.
0: Yeah. I look for it. I should try, uh, cause I think my zoom is what a five to a nine. You, you had it for a while, but I don't think you even looked through it. You were, I think we had bad weather or something.
1: We had bad weather and, um, no, I never did look through it. That I, if I remember correctly too, it's quite heavy. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's, it's kind of the right focal, uh, um, the, the right focal range for a zoom in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So on my scope, that would give, between like 80 power and i think like 140 something power mm-hmm. and uh yeah so so yeah i really should just break that out again and, and give it a give it a whirl and uh and see because i feel like for deep sky and i think it has like a it says like an 80 or 90 degree apparent field of view so maybe i'll maybe i'll get back into that it's something i already owned. so and if maybe if i don't like it maybe i'll sell that off to uh that would be good. I'd like to try that in the, uh, in the Nikon 1.6 Barlow. I think that'd be good.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. That would be re- uh, pretty interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. I have uh email here from uh, Robert. Did you want to give uh, this one a reach in?
1: Yeah. So Robert starts off with, uh, I just wanted to take some time to send both of you a note to say that I really enjoy your podcast. Uh, I went back to your first episode and have worked my way up to about 10 episodes shy of current. Uh, the reason I thoroughly enjoy your podcast is that you both relay your experiences with your various scopes, gear, viewing, and other things that I find interesting and pertinent to my own astro experiences. Uh, Other astronomy podcasts are good. However, they cover mostly astronomical events, uh, what is currently in the night sky, etc. Yours is uh, down in the dirt uh, review of things that I find relevant to my own actual viewing. Uh, You're chatting about mounts, eyepieces, weather and such I can relate to and I'm always curious as to how others deal with these matters. Uh, Great stuff, guys. Uh, Just some info on my own Astro background. I purchased my first scope in 2005, uh, which was a Mead refractor on a go-to mount uh, refurbished from Mead. And of course the mount never worked right. Uh, I wound up selling the scope for some reason or other. I was traveling for my work a lot then, and I revisited the hobby in 2007 or so. And I went through the Dubsonian craze. Uh, Over the years, I had a 12-inch, 10-inch, 8-inch, 6-inch, Uh, Not all at the same time, of course. Uh, I came to tire of dragging in and out these scopes. So I eventually sold the 12 to get a 10 and then sold the 10 to get an eight and you get the idea. Uh, I finally retired last year and my wife and I moved to Delaware, USA, and I eventually migrated to a six inch Maxudov on a go-to mount. Uh, I can't say enough about the go-to mount, especially when not uh, under a really dark sky. I seem now to be going in the reverse direction uh, to scopes of smaller apertures as I find them quite enjoyable. I am looking at DSO objects for the first time, which I never did with the Dobsonians, Uh, I have a mead adventure scope, 80 millimeter, which is the same as the Orion st 80, which I picked up years ago, but never really used until recently. Uh, I flocked the tube and re-greased the focuser, uh, with white lithium grease. Um, actually not a bad little scope. I use it with a white light solar filter. Uh, I also have a Lunt 40 millimeter H alpha solar scope. Uh, solar is cool, especially when the sun is so active. Uh, I recently picked up the AstroTech AT70ED. I can't say enough about the scope, which for the price, uh, the quality of the build and the optics are superb. Uh, I found something to modify uh, or, or sorry, I found nothing to modify on the scope, which says a lot. Uh, I then picked up a small 90 millimeter Maxutov as well for planets. When they come back uh, to the night sky, Uh, I hope to start going through my eyepieces soon to get some quality eyepieces in my kit. Uh, well, I've gone on long enough, so I won't take any more of your time. I ordered a t-shirt from your merch site. Seems like a cool thing to do. Uh, nice chatting with you both and keep up the good work on the podcast. So yeah, thanks, Robert. That was a cool email. Um, and it sounds like he's gone through a similar path, uh, that I've gone through. <laughs> and you too, yeah. Chris a little bit of, you know, over the years, our telescopes seem to get smaller and smaller. Um, and, uh, we still, you know we'll talk more about it in the next episode, which is all about uh, reflectors, but uh, you know, love the views through them, but I, I certainly appreciate all of the portability and other aspects of uh, some of the smaller refractors that I now use.
0: Yeah. I also have one of the uh, neat adventure scopes, I guess they're called in beautiful beige and uh, yeah, they're neat little scopes for less than a hundred bucks. I think I, I bought mine with a few uh, accessories and all that stuff. I think that was the only version I could get, but, uh, I think it was 120. Um, yeah, neat little scopes. And, uh, I also had the six inch Mac and I think like in Delaware, I've really been to Delaware through it once. And, uh, probably that's a fairly light polluted area, but I think it would be uh, a little bit more stable than like where we live. So I think you'd be able to get a lot of really good performance out of the Mac, uh, in Delaware, especially, uh, on the planets, and then yeah, six inch Mac on the planets, and then you get your little scopes for uh, sort of lower power planets or wide field conjunction type of views, and then your wide fields when you get to a dark site. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, nice set that having the stable. Uh, what would you get for an eyepiece for that kind of gear, Shane? What, what would you be interested in in having in your in your telescope case?
1: Hmm, for six inch Mac as well as the uh, eighty millimeter. Yeah. Well, the six inch Mac is going to have a a fairly long focal length. So, you know, I would definitely have probably a 40 millimeter ish eyepiece in the kit. Um, Just trying to, you know, get as much of a, or as large of an exit pupil as you can. Yeah, Um, And then, you know, probably like a 30 ish and a 20, and maybe throw in a Barlow. Um, But with that long focal length, you don't really need um, like the, you know, uncomfortable five, six, seven millimeter eyepieces. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd probably have for the Mac. And then, you know, with the ST80, um, probably something in that 30 millimeter range, uh, like the APM ultra flat field yeah. would probably be, you know, one of the better ones for that scope. Or, um, you know, I'm a huge fan actually of the 24 millimeter panoptic in any telescope. Um, I think that that's a wonderful eyepiece. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 this is a little bit of a tougher one to match eyepieces because with the Mac, you got the super long focal length and the Mead adventure scope is the exact opposite. It's super fast. So, you know, with the you you need some eyepieces that can handle that focal, uh, speed or that focal length or, um, so y- y- you, know, with the Mac, you could use, um, uh, more inexpensive eyepieces and they'll perform well, but if you use those same eyepieces in the mead, they may not, they may not be that sharp to the edge. So it's a, it's yeah. a little bit challenging.
0: Yeah. You know, a new combination might be something like, um, you know, and I don't know if anybody's still making these, but they're widely available used are like the mead. I think other people made them as well. They were like a 56 millimeter plossel two mm-hmm, inch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like that might be a, a neat eyepiece to match with the max if it's, if it's an F12 or so, and I'm assuming it is typically they are because that would give you like uh four and a half millimeter uh, exit pupil, which mm-hmm. is uh, nice for, for deep sky. And I, I think uh max, out so your, your true field of view, and uh, I think it's pretty hard to find an eyepiece that is too much of a longer focal length. Although I know like Rini Optics or Russell Optics or somebody like that made a 60 millimeter and still makes a 60 millimeter. So that that could be really cool because that would give you like a five millimeter action people in that scope. So that could be an interesting sort of low power wide field option. And then I think, uh, man, I gotta say, let's see, something like, Well, if it's 1800 millimeter focal length, a 10 millimeter eyepiece, like the, um, well, no, it would, it would be a 1500 millimeter focal length, would it? No, it would be 1800. Yeah. It was F12. And, uh, so if you had like a 10 millimeter Pentax, that would give you 180 power. And that would be, uh, probably maxing out that kind of scope on, on the majority of of nights maybe a little bit more but something in like a, a 10 millimeter to a 12 millimeter range would would be a, a pretty useful sort of planetary eyepiece so yeah let's see like a nine millimeter yeah go ahead
1: i was just gonna say uh masuyama makes a, a 60 millimeter two inch eyepiece and it only weighs uh, 1.3 pounds which is oh really yeah yeah It's not, it's not inexpensive. Like, um, it's 595 us dollars, but I I think that would be a neat eyepiece. Uh, Teleview has a 55 millimeter Plossel, Um, so those are both readily like they're still being made. So you can find those ones. Um, I'm not sure what else would uh, be readily available. Maybe the meat is still being made. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Those would be some interesting deep sky object eyepieces. And then I guess like, um, something around 20 millimeters for like sort of a mid power, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you'd find them pretty quick. Yeah. Three eyepieces, you know, in that Mag suit like something that would uh, give you that really low power, like a 56 or a 60 millimeter of some sort. And then I think uh, like a 10 or, or 12 millimeter of some sort, and then something around about 20 millimeters like right in the middle. And yeah, you could I think, I think like those, like when I have my Mac, like, it was really easy to pick the eyepieces because like the telescope could pretty easily do like 180 power. So, you know, just use my 10 millimeter Pentax in it. I had my 40 millimeter Pentax for the really wide field. And, uh, yeah, like where I was living at the time had, uh, super decent, uh, seeing conditions. So I, I would often go out with just those two eyepieces and uh, have a pretty good night. And then I did have the 20 millimeter, uh, Pentax as, as well, um, that I would take, that I would take out. But, yeah, you know, 20 millimeters in that. I think gave, what would it give like, uh, what would that give? 1,800 divided by, well, that would be 90, right? Something like that. Yeah, like 90X. So that's a nice sort of mid-range for a lot of different things. And uh yeah, it really blows up the globular clusters after you find them with the low power. And yeah, I like, I like that setup. And then most of those would be pretty usable on the little scope. So you can use the... People are going to say, well, you're, you're cutting down the aperture on the 70 millimeter because that would be like an F6, right? So yeah. you have like a 10 millimeter exit pupil. But if you actually uh, do the math, you know, you're probably getting it down to something like uh, maybe like a 63 or a 62 millimeter scope. But then you're still going to have that super wide field of view. So uh, I think it'd be fun to play around with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other interesting thing from uh, his email too, is that, um, he mentions the 70 millimeter, uh, astrotech ED. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry. That's oh, yeah, what I'm thinking yeah, okay. of, yeah. For that. Yeah. Something like in that uh, 60 millimeter range, cause that would, that would give you like your 10 millimeter exit people, which means you're, you're throwing away some light, but see, he's got the six inch Mac. So he's got his light gathering power there mm-hmm. and he's using the smaller scope for wide field. So, you know, so you're going to lose like 30%. Well, maybe, maybe not even quite that much. So probably going to be stopping, it'd be like stopping that scope down a little bit, but uh, you'd get that sort of maximum field of view uh, still. And then you're going to lose a little bit of light, but you're going to keep it. You're going to have a super, super wide field of view. Mm-hmm. Anyway, be, be need to experiment with. And uh should thank him again for the t-shirt. That's pretty yeah, cool. Thank yeah, yeah. Like yeah absolutely. Yeah, hopefully it works out. Uh we we ordered. Did did you end up ordering a t shirt? I feel like we yeah. Ordered.
1: I've, I've ordered a couple of hoodies and a t shirt. Um, the uh, the hoodies are super warm. Uh, they're comfortable. Um, but after a little bit of wear, well, not a little bit. It it it's kind of my evening wear. You know, when I come home from uh, <laughs> working and
0: slip into that and you know put the put the tobacco in the pipe. Yeah.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Especially in winter, you need something a little warmer, and um, <laughs> so it, it actually got quite a bit of use. It yeah. did start to pill a little bit, so yeah. I don't know. At first, I was quite impressed with the the quality, but um, you know, the longevity may not be quite what I uh, would have hoped for. So it's hard yeah. to say. We uh, we don't have a lot to say in the um, like the the I guess choice of garment. We just you know, send them our icon or whatever we want printed and they, they make it up for us. So,
0: yeah. And we're using uh, is it Teespring? Teespring. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much uh, the main option that's available to uh, people in our demographic, meaning pretty small time podcasters.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: (laughs) So cool. But thanks. Thanks Robert. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let us know how the shirt works out. Uh, Chris wrote, uh can I may, may I go ahead with chris yeah, yeah yeah go for it? Okay, yeah. Chris Chris wrote us. He said it's, uh it's not me, Chris. It's our it's our other one of our one of our other. We have like two or three Chris's that write us. Yeah. We should have the uh the, the club of Chris's here and no shane's allowed. All right. So Chris wrote, <laughs> hi Chris and Shane. Uh I enjoy the refractor and compound scope shows uh and learn something from them. Uh schmidt Telescope, but if not I have not owned one. So use one, but it's not owned an SCT. Um it will be, it was still great to learn about them. After months on order, I found took two delivery of a Lazmody AZ-8. That's pretty cool.
1: Uh, I've always been intrigued by that mount. Uh, did you see the reply that I sent to him, to Chris on that one? I don't know if I can yeah. clear enough. So just a side story here. Um, many years ago, I bought a Explore Scientific Twilight 2. And at that time, uh, it was new and so was the AZ-8. And I debated the AZ-8 and, uh, at the time I, I felt like, ah, the, I think the Explorer Scientific was maybe a hundred or $200 less and, uh, just felt it met my needs. So I went with that and pretty much ever since I received it, just full of regret because, mm-hmm. uh, Las Mandy, I didn't quite realize how good their machining is and, and mm-hmm. the quality of their product is at that time. And a little later on, I ended up with their, um, it's, it's like one of their GM mounts. So it's a, like an equatorial mount and it is easily the best equatorial mount I've ever used, which maybe isn't saying a lot. Cause I don't have a ton of experience with those, but anyway, the AZ eight, I think is just a beautiful mount, uh, to, you know, based on everything, you know, with features and reviews that I've read, I've never actually used it, but I, I think it would be phenomenal. It has big weight capacity it has slow motion controls and then just that lost Mandy build quality. So anyway, sorry to interrupt.
0: Yeah, no worries at all. He's, he's going to put his six inch, uh, Altair star uh, refractor on it. Um, I'm pretty jealous of this setup. I, I put my name on the list, but, uh, just, uh, not able to, to pull the trigger on it when, when my name came up, I, I don't know if they're still available or not, but, uh, but they maybe the next time they come up, I think they only make them every couple of years, and they make however many they make. And then uh, if your name is on the list, you, you get an email. And I did get it. I, I sent it to you. I wanted you to buy it, but uh,
1: not going <laughs> to happen.
0: <laughs> not going to happen. So anyway, yeah, it's pretty hard to buy another telescope at this time for me. So unfortunately, I had to let that go by. But that'll be a beautiful setup on the uh, AZ or AZ-8. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I see. I, I'm Canadian, but I grew up on American TV, so I say it both ways. Um, he goes on to say, "I went he and he got to try it out." So he went out to uh, our darker site to try my like, scope on galaxies. As far as galaxies go, I've only observed M31 with my own gear. The only other galaxy I've observed, or the only other galaxies I've observed, were M81 and M82 a few years ago and a friend's C6. So listen, to episode number 111 for some inspiration. Because this was my first date with the AZ-8, I stayed with the 31 Nagler, which provided 29 magnification and 2.8 true field of view. Wow, that's really cool in a 6-inch scope. Um, I concentrated on the announced stability and control, which were both very good to excellent for such a big refractor. The night began with 11-mile-per-hour uh, winds, proved a bit too much for that scope. Yeah, that that's a bit windy, eh? Like 11 miles an hour, that's mm-hmm. probably getting... Getting pretty bouncy. So especially
1: especially with a large telescope like a, yeah. a six-inch yeah. refractor. That's that's a lot of uh that's a lot of stress on the mount.
0: Yeah, he said, boy, I was nervous. Uh did I just wait months only to undermount this telescope? Retracting the dew shield did help a bit, not nearly the improvement uh, uh, I'd hope for once the wind died down. I was quite satisfied with the settle down time thereafter, which was about two seconds, even in eight mile per wind. So he lowered it down, um, reduced the wind sail by by retracting the dew shield a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, two seconds. That's not too bad. I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: The mount uh, has nice slow motion controls and there was some chatter as I lowered altitude, but turning the control slowly diminished it uh as did putting my finger uh for resistance on the scope. Yeah. And you know, it's always that way, like when you get new gear, like it takes some playing with to actually get sorted out. right like, and and then yeah, everybody has that feeling like, oh man, did I just throw my money away or whatever, make a big mistake and a big purchase. But uh yeah, I'm sure once you get it out a few times everything will will get worked out. And he goes on to say, uh first stop was Leo triplet, uh except tonight it was on double or double it, uh, try as I might, could not see NGC 3628 uh, to come out of hiding. The additional galaxies in observation order were Messier's 87, 86, 84, 88, 60, 59, 58, 89, 98, 88, 85. Of these, M87 was the most prominent with a hot center and white gradient fading off into blackness. It is, it as much presented itself as far away it, it, I'm thinking that this, this is uh, making it look like a globular cluster um, more so than an elliptical galaxy. Um, Spouting the others wasn't as easy, and I found myself turning to M87 as a starting point when I started getting the off. So, yeah, I found that, too. M87 is a super cool. I think M87 is that one that they they uh, did, like, that 3D model of the black hole in the center a few years back. I remember that
1: I do remember that. I don't remember I don't remember which uh galaxy that was, but um yeah, if you say M87, I'll go with it.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's that big spiral up there in the uh in the Burrow Galaxy cluster. Um he goes on to say, I'd love to know from you guys what kind of powers to experiment with on these type of galaxies. I hope to get out again before the moon returns to try some higher powers. Um, what do your experience suggests? How do you find the balance between Uh, The brightness and magnification, perhaps I should go back to M87 as an easier target experiment there. All in all, it was a great session for me. Lots of fun having a bunch of firsts. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot look at galaxies without feeling there's someone looking back. They just look alive to me. I hope all is well and you're getting some quality time under the stars. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Yes. What do you think for power? So that's an F5.9 or let's just call it F6. I can certainly give my opinion on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so I think what I said was that um, this is a little bit of a subjective thing, based on uh, personal preference. You know, some people like to frame an object with a, a large, uh, you know, field of view so that you see the background stars, and it sometimes is, uh, you know, aesthetically pleasing that way. Um, for myself, when it comes to galaxies, I usually start low power, you know, a, a wide field so that I can find it a little bit easier. Um, but galaxies are something that often can take magnification, uh, depending on, you know, on the galaxy. Um, but most of them, you can, you can crank it right up if you want. And, um, you know, some of the Messier galaxies, you can start to pull out structure using, you know, the right amount of power. So, um you know i i just say experiment and um you know if you've got the time or the interest uh, when you find a galaxy see how high you can go in terms of magnification and and what you think of it
0: yeah and uh so i use an f5.9 and um i find my my favorite power is using like my 12.5 millimeter eyepiece so i think there's a there's a few different options i'm using the doctor 12.5 and I just find that eyepiece works so well in uh in this sort of range of of telescope, these you know, uh mid-size and smaller refractors. Um, and I know that the the Morpheus eyepiece is Morpheus is the better um 76 degree and is it 12 or 12 and a half millimeters, or do you know, Shane? 12 and a half. Yeah, so it's 12 and a half. So I think that would be a good um, you know, sort of slightly more budget friendly option, but I know there's been lots of 12 and 13 millimeter eyepieces. And I mean, if somebody doesn't need to wear glasses, like, like I do, or or we do, I know that you've even enjoyed your 13 millimeter Nagler quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Like the, the 13 millimeter Nagler is uh, phenomenal for how small it is. Um, it's quite light. Like I think it's in the low to mid 200 grams and, um, I think it's advertised as like an 82 degree or 84 degree field of view, like the other Nagler's I've heard, it's probably closer to the 76 degrees that the Morpheus is. Um, But yeah, the eye relief is a little tight. Like I think it's around 13 or 14 millimeters Um, with glasses and the eye cups folded down. I cannot see the field stop, but I feel like I'm not missing a lot of it either. So it's not a bad eyepiece for me. And if you are bino viewing, they're wonderful because of how light they are. Um, but you know, I also have the Morpheus 12.5. I haven't used it that much, uh, to really comment on the differences, but that is a, a small backyard project that I want to do is just compare the Morpheus to the Naglers to see which one I like the most. And then I'll keep that and sell the others.
0: Cool. So uh, we have one more email, but I think we're getting a little tight on time. Uh, Shane, maybe I can just summarize uh, some of Tyler's uh, bits here, and he has some questions at the bottom. Maybe sure. Get, how does that sound? So, uh, and I'm going to do this because uh, he he congratulates you, and it would be strange for you to read your own congratulations. Uh, so he was congratulating you and your recent observation of Cirrus B, and and yeah, that's pretty cool that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that, Tyler. Um, yeah, I was super happy with that. I have tried multiple times and and was unsuccessful, uh, until my last attempt with the 120 millimeter refractor. Um, but it's an object that I do want to revisit, uh, kind of this next fall winter, um, to split it again. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be trying some more in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And I think he's going to try to give it a try as well. And he also was uh, observing a bunch of messies, and, uh, you know, kind of building on some of the encouragement that, that you had given um, about, yeah, you know, logging some of these objects uh, using his Mead uh, 90 millimeter Mac, which uh, is is pretty cool. He's observing down under magnitude six guys in uh, in Arkansas, which is uh, which pr- is pretty cool. He also uh, was observing uh, some of those uh, Virgo Galaxy clusters. uh galaxies, and uh, some of the galaxies up in in Ursa Major as well, like M-97, well, sorry, M-108, M-97, that's the OWL cluster, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty tough one. Anyway, I wanted to get to this, uh, and I'll read his last uh, paragraph. has some questions. I also want to ask you guys a question that might be relevant to other listeners as well. Uh, When you're really pushing the limits of your gear and your eye to make a faint observation or a difficult split... How do you distinguish between an actual observation and wishful thinking? Uh, Is this something that just comes with experience or do you have any suggestions? Thanks so much, Tyler.
1: Yeah, great question. I loved it.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Shane?
1: So maybe I'll just read what I responded uh, to Tyler with. Um, it's It's a bit of a longer paragraph, but it won't take me too long. Uh, So uh, what I said is, I love your question about seeing an object versus wishful thinking. Uh, I'm not sure if there is a clear answer, and I'm not sure all astronomers use the same logic. Uh, For me, uh, multiple observations over multiple nights can confirm whether or not I've seen something. Um, It can also help to sketch the background stars and compare that to your star charts or your planetarium software. Uh, At least confirming you were in the right part of the sky is kind of where I'm going at there. And, uh, then I went on to say, for me, an observation means I can see structure, estimate size or magnitude and be able to show another astronomer and have them see it. Um, so those are some of the criteria that I usually factor in. Uh, there are exceptions though, to that rule, uh, because some objects are very diffuse, which leaves them on the edge of detectability, uh, which means some people, even though you see it, they may struggle to see it. And, um, Uh, What else did I write here? Uh, I said, last comment on this is that seeing is something you get better at. Uh, I remember many years ago, I was observing galaxies in Virgo with somebody uh, uh, that was in the astronomy club, but was new to the hobby. Um, I showed him some of the brighter Messier galaxies in the Virgo cluster. Uh, They were very bright to me. They jumped out. There was no missing them. Uh, when I got this other person to look through the eyepiece, he said, uh, what should I be seeing? I, I just see stars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, that sort of highlighted how I think, you know, with more, uh, eyepiece experience, you just get better at seeing this stuff as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a very interesting question with not a super solid answer, at least in my opinion. What are, what are your thoughts, Chris?
0: Yeah, I I agree with, uh, I think everything that that you said The the one thing that I found is the sketching. Um, Mm. for example, and I forget what the galaxy was. It's one of the, I think it's one of the, it's one of the Caldwell objects up in, um, it's up in Ursa major or just off of Ursa major. And I remember Mike was up here last year and I try to get it. Um, if I sound distracted, we get a couple of big deer that are just walking by me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we, we were looking at it in his 12 inch, but I'd looked at it the night before in my uh, 100 millimeter and I did a sketch, but I, I just had internet installed out here. So I didn't really have the internet at the time. And when I got home and looked at the sketch and was able to compare it to, um, you know, other sketches, I was able to uh, to see that the, the sketch was, uh, was accurate, um, which kind of surprised me because boy, I'll, I'll tell you, I was really doubtful whether I was seeing it or not. And even in Mike's 12, I was like, we weren't really sure if we had it or not. But then after doing the sketch, like I said, I I feel like it was like 3843 or something like that. Anyway, um, we were able to uh to kind of confirm that yeah, indeed we uh, we did see this uh, sort of larger galaxy. Um so yeah, I mean that that is just uh you know one of the one of the ways to do it. And the other, the other thing to do is to uh like you said, Shane, is to kind of share the observations with other people. Like sometimes um, you or me might say, hey, could you come over and take a look at this? I think I got this here. You know, it's at, and then you describe it, maybe it's at three o'clock from a certain star, look for this triangle of stars. And and what do you think? And so sometimes maybe it's an object that one of us has seen before and we're like, yeah, you, you've got it. That's it. And then, you know, as you you know, do uh, do a longer observation, you'll you'll be able to make it out. And and again, going out on different nights and and looking again and again will definitely help. Like you know, for example, uh, a, a really good example is uh, NGC 891 up in uh, I think that one's in Andromeda, if I'm not mistaken. And boy, I remember the first few times, like me and my friends were looking for that, we like couldn't even find it. And now I can see it from you know just like any decent site um so you know as as experience grows and your your experience with an object grows uh as well you'll
1: be able to see it better yeah yeah for sure
0: cool anything else to add shane
1: no that's it chris
0: all right well uh thanks shane thanks everybody for listening i really appreciate everybody uh writing in um we're on patreon if anybody wants to make a donation always appreciated have the uh teespring uh store up as well uh have, we've had that up since, uh, since the beginning, the odd time people buy stuff, really appreciate that, like Robert did. And uh, we're always excited to get people's observing emails. Like we like getting these emails and questions uh, because I think that really uh, like demonstrates and, and, it, and it provides a venue for people to kind of pose some questions and uh and have some discussion here and certainly you know i know there's lots of other even more experienced observers than us that, that listen to this and uh if people uh, want to write in and maybe maybe correct us maybe we've made a mistake or or you have uh, additional advice for people then uh you know we certainly appreciate hearing from from folks like that as well
1: yeah 100
0: all right well with that i'm going to go off and uh watch my deer eating uh my bush here so uh that's happening. <laughs> so- Literally 20 feet from where I'm sitting, there's uh, three deer eating uh, a bush, which is great because I won't have to trim it. Oh, I should say there's actually four deer here now. So good stuff. I've got my own little herd. All right. Thanks Shane. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you everyone for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us or if you would like to support the podcast